Well, welcome back, everybody. I hope you can hear me okay today. I'm driving while I podcast, and it's raining a little bit, so I'm going to try to raise my voice just a little bit without shouting, just so you can hear me properly. But um, welcome back. We're going to be continuing our series of podcasts called Mind Fitness. We're trying to get our minds spiritually healthy, and one of the ways we do that is we change our perspective based on what Scripture teaches us. This past couple weeks, we've been speaking about the parable of the Good Samaritan in our Sunday sermon. And obviously, if you've read the Bible or been around Christianity to any degree, you've probably heard that parable. Uh, you've either read it or you've heard it taught on. And it's a really powerful parable, but it's, it's interesting why the parable is spoken about. Because a lawyer comes to test Jesus and trap Jesus, and he wants to justify himself at the same time. So he's he gets in this dialogue with Jesus, and he asks him, first of all, what do I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus responds by asking him a question, what is written in the law? And the man answers correctly. He said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Jesus said, you've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. And this is where the man decides to try to justify himself because I don't think he was expecting the answer he got from Jesus. So he asked this follow-up question. He said, and who is my neighbor? And right after that, Jesus speaks about the parable of the Good Samaritan. And in the story, a man, a Jew, is walking on the, on the road and he's, uh, he's basically accosted by two robbers and they beat him and strip him and leave him half dead on the side of the road. And he's there dying on the side of the road and, and a man walks by and it happens to be a Jewish priest. And the Jewish priest looks like the person that would be most likely to stop but he walks by on the other side of the road, completely avoiding the dying man. The next guy that comes by is a Levite, another religious leader. Looks like he might be an ideal person to come by and help the man, but he too walks by on the other side without doing a thing. The third person that walks by is a Samaritan, and he's the most unlikely candidate to help the Jew because Jews and Samaritans did not have uh, friendly relationships at all. But this is the man that actually stops and cares for the dying Jew. He bandages his wounds, he puts oil and wine on him, he picks him up and puts him on his own animal. He takes him to an inn. He tells the innkeeper to take care of him, and if there's anything more that he pays, he's going to come back and reimburse the innkeeper. And that's the story. And, and the lawyer is then asked a question at the end of the parable by Jesus. And Jesus said, which one of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who was dying? And the lawyer again rightly said, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said, do likewise. Go and do likewise. That's the basis for what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about love. But I want to talk about love for the Lord. And even though this parable is primarily drawing out love that we should have for our neighbor, I believe love for neighbor and love for the Lord are so closely linked that when we do one, we do the other. And when we do the other, we're doing both at the same time. And I want to think about loving the Lord today. I want to think about why people love the Lord and, and why some people don't love the Lord. Even people who are likely candidates to love the Lord, like the priest and Levite, should have stopped and helped the dying man simply because they love the Lord, if nothing else. But they didn't. My question is why? Why didn't they? They were professional God lovers, if you will, and yet they didn't stop and help a dying man. And the second greatest commandment, it's not a hidden or tucked away commandment. The second greatest commandment is love your neighbor. The first greatest commandment is love your Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And they saw a huge opportunity to love both. 
but they didn't. They neglected, and they walked about, walked on the other side and, and continued on with their duties that day. So here's the question. Why? Why do some love the Lord, and why do some not? Especially those who should. And here's one answer that I'm going to sort of podcast about today, and there's so many answers we could give to this. There's so many different ways to think about that question, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at it from this way. Consideration. Consideration. Consideration has the idea that you're thinking about somebody. Uh, when you consider someone, you're, you're, you have that person in your mind. I want you to think about someone you really love, a loved one, a, a spouse, a child, a brother or sister, a parent. And I want you to think about them. I want you to think about what they mean to you. Pick someone really special and think about them. Consider with me for a moment what they mean to you. That's what it means to consider. To think about someone and to think about what they mean to you and, and what they need and what they're going through at the current time. See, Jesus Christ, if we're honest, if we were all honest, should be considered by his people all day long, really without break. If he's that important to our soul, if he's our savior, if he's the one that's sparing me from sin and eternal condemnation, I should be thinking about and considering him all day long. But even pastors don't do that. I don't consider Jesus all day long, but I should consider him a lot. And it's not just because I'm a pastor, it's because of what he's done for me. And I want to think about this today. I want to be very practical. How? If that's something we desire, and I don't know why you'd be listening to this if you didn't desire this, so I'm going to assume you do desire to love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. How do we get there? One of the ways I believe we get there is by consideration. Because I believe there's enough in Jesus and from Jesus that if we truly consider him, take time to think about him, consider his value and worth and beauty to our souls, to our lives, then we'll want to love him. I think one of the greatest traps the devil is using today is he's getting to us to put blinders on. Blinders are kind of those things they put on horses when they're running so they stay focused and they look only ahead and they're not looking at the horses next to them because if they look at the horses next to them, they might get distracted and they might either, I don't even know what they'll do, run off of the course or you know run in the wrong direction or I don't even know, maybe spaz out. But the devil likes us when we have blinders on and not the good kind of blinders, okay? Not the blinders that keep you focused on the Lord. The blinders that keep you focused on something earthly. Something even important, earthly. Like your job, or your family, or your hobbies that you like to do, or the things that you watch, or or pick anything. Anything earthly. He likes to say that thing is of supreme value, and you need to focus on that thing. And here's some blinders to help you do that. And it sounds quite good because, again, that thing is good. It's not, we're not talking about sin today, or anything carnal. We're talking about something good, but it's but it's earthly. And if we have those blinders on and, and we do what the devil wants us to do, then we don't think and consider the only one who's really important to us, and that's the Lord. Because we can lose anything in this life, literally anything, and still be okay. If we lose the Lord, we're not okay at all. So we have to consider him. We have to put blinders on in the other way and, and focus upon the Lord. And I don't mean, you know, where we're always just thinking about him sitting in a room, studying our Bible. That's not the point because we are supposed to be doing good upon the earth and loving people and having relationships and even working. But if we don't keep a healthy consideration and focus upon the Lord, none of that stuff will be done properly. 
None of it will be done for him. We might not love our neighbor because the two likely candidates in the parable of the Good Samaritan didn't love their neighbor. That means that you and I can definitely fall into that trap. And I think one of the keys to get us to do what we need to do is consideration. There's one verse passage that I want to use to help us do that today. Because this could be a very lengthy discussion and we could go down a bunch of different trails to get us to properly considering the Lord and even going down a a few other steps of how we stay focused upon Him. But I'm going to look at, (coughs) excuse me, one passage from Hebrews that is one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. And I just want to use this today to help us consider the Lord because I believe if we consider Him today, we'll be more likely to love Him and to love our neighbor. I really believe that. The more I think about Jesus the more I want to serve him, the more I want to love him. And so today, that effort, Hebrews chapter 1 says it this way. It says, long ago, in verse 1, long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. Verse 3 says, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. Listen to this. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. I was studying this passage with my children the other day. And I was trying to make this have an impact in their lives. And so I decided to let them do something that I have done in the past. Which is take a glance at what we know about the universe. Because this verse says that Jesus upholds the universe by the word of his power. And and that sounds amazing already. But once you consider what the universe actually is, the more amazing this passage gets. So that's what I did with my children. We went on a little exercise. We went on the TV and we looked up a video about how big the universe is according to our pure knowledge of what we have right now. And it's it's really not much. Um, But scientists have a window. They have a window of how big the universe is and at least can guesstimate at how big it is, and we know we know how much that is worth, unfortunately. But but let's assume they're right. Let's assume they have a clear window of how big the universe is, and uh, that's what this video was basically showing. Now you got Earth, and all of us are living on Earth, and you know I, we live in north northeast Pennsylvania. That's our little pocket of the world, and wherever you live, that's your little pocket of the world, and and it seems big to us. It seems profound to us because that's our whole lives. Our whole lives is spent upon that little place on the earth and it seems big to us it seems important but in this video it's quite unique the strategy they take they, they start on earth and when you're looking at earth it seems big and seems important and what this video does is it basically just begins to zoom out from earth to space and of course it starts with our nearest neighbor the moon and says you know the moon is I forget how many you know millions of miles away it is forgive me if I get some of these facts wrong but the moon is this far away from us and it zooms out and now the moon is in focus and the earth is kind of in the distant. Um, and we can't really see it as close as we did before, but it still seems prominent. We can still see a big blue globe. But then it continues to zoom out and now we're looking at the nearest planets, you know, Mars and, and Mercury and all these other planets and it keeps zooming out till we're mainly looking at our Milky Way galaxy. And our Milky Way galaxy is enormous. I mean, we I, there's just no way to put it in mathematical comprehension. Our Milky Way is absolutely enormous. I mean, it, it holds the sun, it holds 
all of our planets, all of the moons that go along with the planets, and everything else, all of the billions of stars, trillions of stars. I, I can't even measure it. I can't even think about it. I go mad just thinking about our one galaxy. But our galaxy is huge. But this video just can, keeps zooming out. And it, it zooms out even more. And before, the galaxy of, of Milky Way seemed like the biggest thing you could possibly comprehend. But then it keeps zooming out, and all of a sudden, the Milky Way is, is a dot on the screen. And then you keep zooming out, and you can't even see the Milky Way. It's gone. You can see other galaxies, and they seem big, and they seem important and enormous. And then it keeps zooming out, and all of those galaxies disappear because they're so small in comparison to space. And then it keeps doing it, zooming out, zooming out. And then it zooms out to where it says, I think it's called, there's a, a local cluster of galaxies where our galaxy is one of, I don't even know how many, hundreds, thousands of galaxies within the local cluster. And again, galaxies are enormous. It holds our stars and our planets and our sun. And there's a local galaxy. Think about that. A local galaxy of, <laughs> excuse me, a local group of galaxies. And it just keeps zooming out and zooming out and zooming out until there's more clusters and more clusters and more clusters. And then basically the guy in the video says, okay, we have to stop here because this is all we know. That's what he said on the video. This is all scientists know. This is the, this is the most we can guesstimate at because we don't have any knowledge beyond this point. Nobody's seen it. No picture has taken it. We know there's more, but we don't know how much more. And at this moment, your mind is already hurting. And my son, my oldest son even said that. He says, Dad, my mind hurts thinking about this. And I thought how uniquely funny that was. Uh, but also true because my mind too was trying to grapple with these numbers and this size and I just couldn't do it. My mind is too small comparatively. And I, I, I went back, after we looked at that video, I went back to the verse from Hebrews where it says, Jesus upholds the universe by the word of his power. Now, if it said Jesus upholds the world with his arms, that would be amazing enough. Absolutely incredible. But you notice that's not what it says. It doesn't say he upholds the world. It says he upholds the universe. And it doesn't say he upholds the universe by his arms, as if he has really big, strong arms, even though he might. It says he upholds the universe by the word of his power. I mean, right now, our Earth and the moon and the planets and the sun are chilling, for lack of a better word, in space. Just hanging out in space, in the sky, in, in the air, and not moving. I mean, they're moving properly. They're revolving around each other, but they're not falling. They're not falling out of their place. And I asked my children to toss a bear, uh, excuse me, a ball, not a bear. That would be weird. To toss a ball in the air and see what happens. And, you know, what happens is exactly what we expected to happen. The ball went up for a moment and then it came down because that's what things do. That's what physics teaches us. But there's these enormous globes and balls in the sky, that one that we live on, and they stay in the sky. And the question that if I was a scientist, I'd be like, why? Why do they stay in the sky? That kind of breaks the laws of physics that I know. Why would Earth, at the size it is, and Jupiter and the Sun, stay in the sky? And I don't know exactly what their answer for that is, probably some law, but but our verse says from Hebrews, and you have to remember that Scripture is from the mind and the mouth of God. It's absolute truth. Scripture says it's not a law that holds the universe in place. And the universe, again, we're not talking about our Earth or our galaxy. We're talking about the entire universe. It's not held in place by any law, by any random event. 
by any course of atoms or anything like that. It's held by the word of our Lord Jesus. Our Lord Jesus is the one telling the universe to continue its course, to stay in the sky, to keep doing what he's commanded it and created it to do, and it does, because Jesus' word says so. That's how powerful, that's how supreme, that's how incredible our Lord is. And I, I know that that's hard to grasp because it's such an enormous truth. It's so beyond our capabilities. And I think that's the point. I don't know why else the writer of Hebrews would speak about it unless we're just supposed to awe and kind of be flabbergasted by that. But here's the point that we're going to use today. I think that's supposed to help us think about Jesus a lot. I mean, if he upholds our universe, and one of the other studies I did is I decided to look how many atoms the human body has. I did this several months ago. I don't remember how many months ago I did this, but for one of my sermons, I decided to look up how many, because you know, the body is consisted of a bunch of atoms. And I decided to look and see how many atoms that scientists believe that one human body has. And I was astonished when it came to the number, because the number that I found is not a number I'm familiar with. Um, and I, I thought it was going to be large, but I didn't expect this. Uh, it said seven octillion atoms. Seven octillion atoms. And I forget how many zeros there were. I should remember this, but I don't remember this. But just a ton of zeros following this. This is a number that I've never heard before. But seven octillion atoms is within every single human body. And so, in, in one body, there's seven octillion atoms. There's you know, seven billion people upon the world. And it would be amazing enough if the Lord was taking care and governing this one little planet. But it says he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Every single thing that's been created, that's important to us, that sustains us and keeps us going, is held together and it's sustained and upheld by the word of the Lord. And this is the same person that decided to leave heaven, the very same person, to come to earth to become a man, his own creation, because in heaven he's not a man, he's spirit. He decides to become a man so that he can save man. He's born and raised and nursed and grows up, and he lives completely obedient to the law of God, and then he gives up his body to the cross. After being rejected and blasphemed and mocked, which, again, the Son of God, I can't even think about what that must have been like for the Son of God to experience. He's crucified. And while he's crucified, he never loses his capabilities of upholding the universe because we're here. I mean, if Jesus, while he was crucified, lost his supreme control of the universe, everything would have stopped. Everything would have ended. But he didn't. He's on the cross dying for the sins of ours. Dying for the sins of his people, excuse me. And he's still upholding holding the universe by the word of his power. And this is the person that we're supposed to love. And once you start to consider him, and this is just one avenue, this is one aspect of what we should consider with our Lord. Once you begin to consider him, it's not hard, at least for me, to want to love him, to want opportunities to serve him. It's not hard once I begin to consider his value and worth and beauty to my soul. I want to love him. In fact, while I'm speaking about this, I'm motivated to love him, to do something for him, to be faithful to him to do things that please him because I have the privilege of serving and loving the very one that upholds the universe by the word of his power. I can't tell you what a privilege that is. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, 
the Lamb of God, the creator of the world, is my Savior. He's the one I'm being compelled and constrained to love. And sadly, many times in my life, I don't because I forget about him. Or I'm more zoomed in on something that I want on this earth. And I forget and I neglect to love the Lord of the universe. And that needs to stop. And I think one of the ways we help ourselves is simply pure consideration. Taking the time to think and to dwell upon what scripture says about our Lord Jesus and what he has done for our souls. And I believe, and I believe God believes, that if we do the consideration and we make that a daily discipline and practice of our lives, loving the Lord will come a whole lot easier to us. If you're struggling, if you're in a season where it seems like you're just busy and and lots going on and you're, you're not really disciplined like you once were and you're not really serving the church like you once were and you're more concerned about what's going on the outside than what's going on in the kingdom of God, use this today to think and consider your Lord Jesus, to think what he means to you. Search the rest of scripture and find more of these and consider him. Consider what he's done for you. Consider why you're here today. Consider the hope that you have today. Where did it come from? Consider why your atoms today are being held together, why the universe is being held together. And consider that your greatest commandment and my greatest commandment has been to love the Lord that upholds the universe by the word of his power. I hope that would help you today to consider your Lord and then don't stop the consideration because that's not the point. The point is love. The point is faithfulness. The point is service. And one of the ways, one of the best ways we can love our Lord is by loving his people. If you really want to love the Lord, love one of the things that he loves the most and that is his people. Get out there. Love your neighbor. Find as many people as you can to serve, to help, to minister to and do it for Jesus because he deserves it. He deserves it. Our Lord Jesus deserves our love and it should be a privilege to give it to him. I hope that's an encouragement to you. It helps my soul today. Let's stay focused upon the Lord and serving him and loving him. Many blessings to you.